as we're looking at Matthew chapter 1. I know that the, the, the slide up top says Matthew 1 and 2. We're really not. We're going to be looking at just Matthew chapter 1. And I really only have one thing that I want to look at today. Um, there's a question that uh, I'll just say I heard God speak to me uh, while I was preparing this. Uh, and I think this is a fantastic there are so many things happening, and, and, and we'll, I'll explain this a little later. There's so many things happening in our country right now. Um, there are different revivals popping up in different areas, and I think this, the, the timing of this is so amazing. Um, but the question I want to ask today is, is God big enough to include you in his plans? That might sound weird, but it's something to, to consider. Is God big enough to include you? Now, I'm not talking about you going to something. I'm talking about you doing something. Is God big enough that he can use someone like you? <laughs> right? And so when we begin this process, we're talking about the, the beginning of the book of Matthew. And the beginning of the book of Matthew be, starts off the New Testament with one of the most riveting sections of Scripture in the entire Bible, known as genealogies. Gripping. Gripping on who begat who and all the names. And I get asked so many times, why in the world, if God wrote the Bible through the hands, through the Holy Spirit, through the hands of these people, why in the world would he include that? It's so weird. But it's actually not, if you think about it. Because one of the things about Scripture is it's filled with prophecies, especially Messianic prophecies. And the prophecies include a degree of detail. Like when it comes to Jesus, we're told that Jesus would be born through the line of David. And so we know suddenly that the genealogy becomes important. But the interesting thing is, if you were part of that genealogy, if you were one of the people in that line, think about the pressure that that puts on you. You know that God said, someone in your family is going to be right in the middle of the Messiah showing up. One of you at some point in time. And you think about this. In Matthew 117, it says, So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. From David unto the captivity in Babylon were 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon till Christ are 14 generations. Now, if someone were actually paying attention to those genealogies, they would have noticed a pattern at some point in time of the 14 generations. And if you're in the 14th generation where nothing has happened yet, you might be thinking... Oh, no. Please not me. <laughs> just, just don't. I mean, I just want a normal life, <laughs> right? But sometimes we don't get that. Uh, we don't get that option. God has something different for us. And look at Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, which means before they were intimate together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which was conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. For all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Here's a question for you. What would you do if that time came and you were chosen to play a part in the plans of God? Prophecy is in front of you. You've been studying it your whole life. Every one of your people know, you know that it's going to be in the line of your family. All of a sudden, your wife, in one of the most strict moral uh, uh, groups of people on the earth at that time, all of a sudden she's pregnant out of wedlock. Oh, this is fun. And you know that no one's going to believe the God did it excuse. No, really, it's a miracle. No one's buying that. But all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up because you think you know what's going on. Isn't that the way it works with us so many times? God moves in our lives and we're convinced that it's something else. And the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, this was done And you notice he gives him the prophecy that he knows so well. He would have had to have memorized it. And they would have have recited it every year. Constantly this prophecy would have been in his face. And what the angel of the Lord is saying to him is, this is coming to pass and you will steward its arrival. But but God, I just want to make furniture. I just want a normal life. I want a normal wife. I don't want to deal with this. Sometimes I can almost hear God audibly saying, I wasn't asking. (laughs) You're going to be part of this, whether you want to be or not. Now, Joseph woke up. And his entire demeanor changed. That was enough for him to say, okay. Which makes you think, do you have enough faith to believe that God could use you? I'm I'm asking a a serious, I'm, I'm hoping you consider this question. Do you have enough faith to believe that God can use you? Or are you dependent on the spiritual character of another? Is your faith based in the reality and the supernatural capability of God? Or is your faith more of a consumer mentality where someone has to manufacture a move of of the spirit for you to take part in because you are not capable of bringing the spirit of God to anything someone else has to do it for you. And you can take part in 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 the manifestation of God in somebody else, but God would never use someone like me. You see the difference? One side of the faith is that God can do anything, including through someone as pathetic as me. And the other one is, God can do all kinds of things through other people, and I hope I get to be involved. No, that's not how it works. Joseph was going to be in the midst of it. Now, you think about this. Joseph wanted to be a husband. 
And the Spirit of God told him that this was, was happening and that he was going to be a part of it. But I want you to think about something. His role was not the important role. His role was a support role. He's the husband, though. This is the Israeli culture. This is the Hebrew people. The husband's the man. They're the head of the household. They're the important one. No one was ever born and being the daughter of. The daughters were never even mentioned. It was the son of the father. That's what mattered. Now, all of a sudden, Joseph is playing second fiddle to his wife, who he originally thought was messing around on him. She's the one that's going to bring the Messiah, and now I've got to deal with this. Joseph was called into a role where he was not even the main player, but it was going to cost him everything. Think about that. It was going to cost him every aspect of his life to support something that he was a footnote in. He was going to be the financial support for Mary's call. It was going to upend his life. It was going to ruin his reputation because it didn't make any difference how much you said, no, really, it's the Messiah. No one was going to buy that. And history proved that out. No one believed, was going to believe this. He lost his status as a man. His marriage was questioned from a moral status. And he still had to walk that thing out, knowing that she was going to be the main player. He had to give up everything to support something that he doesn't get the credit for. Who's willing to do that? Do we have enough faith to believe that God could call us to a role to support something amazing that we will never be mentioned in, that we would just be a footnote in time, but we have to give everything that we have to it because that's what God has asked us to do. Is God big enough for that? Or is God only big enough if you're the main player? See the difference? Now, obviously, we're not Joseph or Mary, but this same process happens in our lives. We have the same battle that we have to fight. We all desire to see God's promises unfold in our time. How many of you hope you never see God's promises unfold in our world? I never want to see a miracle. I never want to see salvation come to the masses. Don't ever want to be part of a revival. (laughs) Because that would just be weird. It would require something of me. I would just rather, you know, live my life, die, and go to heaven. But I don't want to be part of anything. I don't know anybody who would call themselves a Christian who could honestly say something like that. It would be so counterintuitive to us. We know what God has done for us. Of course we want to see these things happen in other people's lives. Of course we want to see our, our family and our friends come to know the Lord. Of course we want to see their sins forgiven. Of course we want to see people healed. But is God big enough to use us to do it? If we're honest, most of us, I think, would believe, most of us, I think, would say that we do not believe that God would ever use us in that way. I'm too small. I'm too insignificant. There are more spiritual people that are better suited for that than me. 
I don't have the education. I don't know enough about the Bible. I stutter when I pray. I don't know how to do this. Obviously, God's got to use somebody else, like a 17-year-old carpenter from a no-name town in a backwards, backwater part of Israel. And his, according to some people, as young as 13-year-old wife. So those are the kind of people that God's really looking for, you know, the highly educated, talented ones. Obviously, Mary had a PhD in child psychology. So there's an interesting, I want to, uh, uh, there's an interesting thing happening in Kentucky. How many of you heard about that, the revival going on at Asbury College? Okay, if you haven't heard, it, you heard about it, you should do a little bit of look, looking up online. It, there's some really neat things happening there. It's a, it's a Christian university, a seminary next door, and uh, in the early 70s, there was a revival that broke out there, and it happened again, started last week. They have been going 24 hours a day. I think this is the 11th day. It's, it's really amazing to see it. I've heard some of the testimonies. Of course, you've got the people online who are just like, well, I don't know. This might be the devil, uh, which, you know, whatever. Just, 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 just shut up and wait, you know. <laughs> just, 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 just give Jesus a chance to do something amazing. You just knock it off, you know. But there, when you see the testimonies of the people who have been there, they all kind of say the same thing. It's, this is pretty amazing. There's, there's some neat stuff going on here. Let's just see what God does, you know. It's, 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 it's pretty awesome. Seeing God move, especially among college-age students, is amazing. But here's the cool, the, the, this is the coolest thing about this. There was no conference going on. There was no nationally recognized worship team with a record label, you know, who came in. There were no fog machines, there were no laser lights. You know, none of, that, none of that stuff was going on. It was a chapel service that, that, that there was a kind of an invitation given. And afterwards, the people who were running it had left. And as they were coming by, they heard some noise coming from the chapel. They're like, oh, I wonder what's going on. So they go back in, and like this thing had started. And it's just kept going. And here's basically what, ha- what happened. There was a response, and people responded. There was an opportunity to respond to the moving of the Lord, and people responded. That's what started it. And now you have, you have all these like self-appointed apostles and stuff around the world, and you're like, I'm going to go there and catch the fire. I'm like, oh, really? Just, There's some people that are like, I'm on my way. You know, I'm going to, uh, there's, uh, if you know the name Todd Bentley, he's a, 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 a a fraud, <laughs> essentially. He was the fake healing and all this other stuff. He's like, I'm on my way. I'm booked there. And the leadership of the school was like, no, he's not. <laughs> and they're doing everything they can to keep this with a lot of integrity. They're trying to, trying to, they're trying to not let this get weird. And there are, there are people from all over the world who are flying in because they want to be part of this. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's pretty amazing. Just people, Christians, getting together to seek God, and I'm hearing stories of repentance, I'm hearing stories of returning to solid faith, I have no reason to question this. Weird people will show up, guaranteed, because they always do. But that doesn't mean God isn't doing things. But there is one thing about this, and I'm going to compare to the life of Joseph here in a little bit, that actually does make me sad. 
And I have seen this happen over and over and over and over again. Okay, do me a favor and put your hand up if you remember the Toronto Revival. Okay, now keep your hand up. Do you remember the Lakeland Revival? Yeah, do you remember Pensacola? How about Brownsville? Yeah, I remember all of them. And in every single one of those moves of the Spirit, the same thing happened, usually with the same people, and it sounds something like this. Oh, I got to go there so I can get a touch from God. I got I to go. There's a difference between I want to go and be part of this. I want to support this. As, and there, there's a difference between that and I've got to go there and get my touch from God. Or you hear it like this. I'm going to go there and catch that fire and bring it home. What are you going to do? Bring a Holy Spirit bucket? Walk in and like scoop a bunch of the, of the fire out and then bring it back? Abel mentioned to me this morning, you can't carry fire in a bucket. It, it doesn't work that way. Because when you, when you hear someone saying that, and this is, why this, makes me, this is why this makes me sad, because this is a common thing, especially among Pentecostals, that we believe, but it's also a lie. And it's the reason why people never experience a type of revival where they are. Because their entire mentality is wrong about the move of God. When we say, I've got to go there to get my touch from God, what we're saying is, what I need from God is not available to me here, so I have to go there. Do you see it? I need a touch from God in my life. I need God to do something in my life. It's not going to happen here because the people I'm around, the leadership in my church, the people I associate with who are Christians are not the kind of people who bring the Spirit of God. So I've got to go find the Spirit of God that's dwelling among more spiritual people who are more open, who are better, who are bigger, who are the giants in the faith. And I've got to go get God from them because the ones I'm around, I can't get God from. Because obviously the spirit says in the, the Bible says in the end times, God will pour out his spirit on select towns strategically placed around the world. Which is not what it says. It says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All. And that means believers and unbelievers alike. All. That means the power and presence of God is not restricted by anything but you. And I want to show you that. I have seen that same thing happen over and over and over again. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'd be willing to bet that there are many, many people in here who remember people going up to Toronto to get that blessing to learn how to bring that anointing to wherever, whatever church they were in. And I've seen, I've been in these meetings where you see someone go, okay, so they did worship like this. They preached like this. You got to put ah at the end of everything. You got to sound, you got to preach 
so you sound like you're totally ah, out of breath. Ah. I got to get really loud. Ah. I got to say Holy Spirit or Amen or Lord God at the, at the end of everything I'm saying. I've got to worship a certain way. There's going to be a certain amount of electric guitar in there. The drums are going to be a certain, you know, the lights are going to be down. Because you can't worship with the lights up. You've got to turn the lights down. Everyone knows that. Because the last thing you want is to see someone next to you praising God when you're not. <laughs> and if you think the person in front of you might accidentally hear you, don't worry. Just tell them it's the person behind you being really loud. It's fine. But here's what happens. People run to a place thinking that there's something available to them there that is not available to them here. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not trying to manufacture something here. Don't go there. I'm talking just in general terms. Many people run from event to event. Holy Spirit hoppers. Holy Spirit's here, so they hop there. Holy Spirit moves, so they hop there. Constantly chasing an emotional moment that they had at one point in time that they haven't been able to duplicate wherever they ended up. I've known lots of people like this in my life, and I was one for a while. I need that, that Holy Spirit high. I need a hit, man. I need a fix. And I've got to go to one of those good churches so I can get my fix. And then I can come home to my normal church, you know, around those people that aren't really spiritual. Now, I am not saying that when you go someplace and you get a a touch from God, I'm not saying that that wasn't real. And I'm not saying that that trip wasn't worth it. It probably was. What I want to look at is why. What is the attitude difference between where we are and where we think we're supposed to be? Because there's a difference. And it's the difference is in us. The location of the body is irrelevant. The location of the spirit is relevant. You can move your body from one place to to the next. But if your spirit is not aligned with God's, you will receive nothing, which is exactly what we've asked for sometimes. God, I want heaven. Please don't mess with my life here on earth. I finally got things figured out. So a good question is, is God limited to the point where he can only be in one place at a time? See, God's at Asbury University. Oh, so obviously he couldn't be here. If you, if you believed you felt God here this morning during worship, obviously that's not true. It was just an emotional experience because he's tied up right now in Asbury. This is not, that's not how that works. He's omnipresent. He can be in all places at once. You don't have to take a number. If it's not the location, the only thing left is us and our attitude towards God in the midst of whatever our situation is. So let me, let me try to explain it like this. If you were in a place where you were searching and wanted, wanting a deeper connection from God, and then I tell you that I was taking, you know, taking you to XYZ Revival, 
you know, you need a, you need a touch from God, so get in the car. We're going to head down to, to this, this place where this revival is happening, or we're going to go to this conference, or we're going to go see this speaker. When you get in that vehicle and you start heading down the road, what starts happening to you? As you get closer and closer and closer, what's happening to you? Your attitude changes. Your expectation of what God might do changes. There is something that happens when you're in the same place, seeing the same thing for years and years and years and years. So as a military kid, I, I, anyone who's looked at my office lately knows this, I have to change things like about every three years or I go out of my mind. Exactly. I, I, I need something new. How, now, just, just curiously, how many of you have had the, your house in the same place all the furniture's in the same place. Nothing moves. If I moved a, a picture on the wall, it's like a different color, you know, behind it. You know, for like 10 or 20 years. Everything has been exactly the way. You, you could walk through your living room in the dark and not stub your toe. Right? Now, what happens when you walk into someone else's new house? You're like, oh, oh my Oh, this is amazing. Look, look at this. This is amazing. This is so fantastic. But to them, it's like, eh. Because they've seen it so many times that it's just normal. It's not new anymore. So when we go someplace away from what we're used to, into something that we're not used to, we start to imagine what could possibly happen. And the limitations that we place on God in our normal church services, and yes, I'm saying that when you walk in here on a Sunday morning, you have a mental limitation that you place on God. Yes, you do. Whatever your experience is, that's what you'll allow God to come up to. And if something comes up differently, you're going to be like, well, that's different. And you'll wonder, I wonder if this is God. Of course it's not God because we don't do these types of things. And we squash it. But we do have a mental limitation that we place on God. Sometimes it sounds like this. I hope they only do four songs for worship today and I hope it's not that long. You have just limited God's ability to speak into your life. Why? Because he knows for the first 25 to 30 minutes of this service, you're ignoring him. See the difference? Yet, and I've seen this happen, people who don't sing here, and believe me, I watch these things, you go to another service where something else is going on, and not only are you singing, you're like tongue out, drool, hands up singing. You know who I'm talking about. It's you. (laughs) And I've got to ask the question, why? Why is it that we find freedom there and no freedom here? Now think about this. No freedom where you belong. Next to the people walking the journey with you. 
who have committed the path of faith with you, who love you, who trust you, who want to see the best in you, who want to see the spirit grow in you, we aren't free enough to even raise our hand or sing out loud because we're worried they may see us or we may sing off key. Yet, when we go someplace where no one knows us, where people are, they're not going to see us the next day, it's fine. We are all over it. You know what that's called? Pride. Pride. That is one of the mental limitations we place on God. And then we wonder why God doesn't move in our lives the way we think he should. Let's go back to the very beginning. Do you have enough faith to believe God can use you? Joseph doubted. But when God confronted him with the truth of his word, he decided to give it a chance and do something amazing. And here's what ends up happening. A lot of times we go to these events, something amazing happens in our life, and we get in our head that the reason why that happened there was because of the way this situation was. So what I need to do is I need to change the situation where I'm going back to. This is what happens when people try to catch the fire and bring it back. We go there looking for a method. And if you're looking for a method, you'll find it. You know what, Pastor? I went there and it was great. All the lights were turned down. It was amazing. It was so amazing. The lights were turned down. The guitar player was playing this like real soft thing. Can you learn that? What song was it? I don't remember, but can you learn it? Can you guys learn that song that they did at that conference? Which one was it? The second one. Do you remember the title? No, but it had Jesus in it. And it was like, I love you. Never been asked to do that, have we, Abel? No, no. I wish we could do this one worship song. I had an entire like string orchestra from the Philharmonic, but we, do, we probably don't need that. Can you just do that on the guitar? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me get out my Casio keyboard and just hit Bossa Nova and we'll be right there. See, we think if we recreate the situation, then we can recreate the experience. That's the lie. Because the situation, the environment, was never what brought the experience. The environment did not create, did not, did not bring the Holy Spirit. You know, if you play softer, the Holy Spirit would arrive. No, the Holy Spirit's been here. It doesn't make any difference if you're playing rock music. If it's glorifying God, the Spirit's there. I mean, I can't, ima- I can't imagine the Holy Spirit like headbanging, but you know, whatever. It's not the environment. It's the mind of the person who's in it. It's whether or not we give God permission. And yes, you can say no to God. Do we, does God have permission to use me? Does he have, am I willing to give God all? Not just some, not just some, I, I'm all of it. God, if you send me, I'll go. As long as it's relatively warm and I'm well taken care of, 
I got a nice place to stay and I'm never going to be hungry and there's no big bugs. God's sending me south as a missionary. I hope it's Fiji. No, it's Central America where the spiders are the size of your head. I don't know if I want to follow that God. Recreating the environment is not going to recreate the moment. What's going to recreate the moment is when we do the same thing inside that we did on the way to the conference or the revival or whatever. When you come, wherever you're going to, and, I'm, and this, I, was, I was tempted to do worship like at the end today, and I realized that would really, really be underhanded, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I want, you, I want you to think about something. When you came in here today, did you, open, did, we, did you give God permission to do whatever he wanted? Does God have permission from you to use you, to get into your life? Let me, let me help you understand, understand what, I, what I'm talking about here. When we get into church, are we, uh, uh, are we more interested in checking our watch to see what time this might be over? Or does God have all the time he needs? When you're making plans on a Sunday afternoon, do you have 1145 lunch plans with someone in Watertown? And what you're saying is, God, you've got an hour and a half. And 15 minutes of those needs to be me eating cookies. And then I'm out. Or does God have all the time he needs? Hey, can you meet me for lunch? Sure, I can. Absolutely. I'll meet you there when church is over. When's church over? I don't know. I'll text you. What do you mean you don't know when your church service is over? I don't know. Whenever, whenever we're done, we're done. I get asked this question. How long is worship at your church? So it depends on the Sunday. Well, do you, lead, you still lead worship, right? Yeah. Today, how, many, how long is worship? I don't know, four songs. How long are the songs? I don't know. I'm not a CD. If I was, I would skip. <laughs> The entire worship team knows. Don't ask me how the song's going to go. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to sing the right words. Because I didn't today. Some of you caught it, some of you didn't. If you ever see me up here smiling or laughing, it's because I just did something and probably got away with it. Because I don't want to put a time frame on God. I don't want to put limitations on the Holy Spirit. But I got to tell you, I've had multiple people over the years tell me, Pastor, it'd be really nice if church could be done at 1130. I'm not kidding. Why? Well, you know, Sunday's a, 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 an important day for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it should be. It's the day we gather to lift up the name of Jesus and praise God and, and, and learn about his word and fellowship with one another. It should be an important day. Your mac and cheese in the crock pot at home is going to be fine. Now, if you invite me, <laughs> I might finish early. But if I know you have plans and you're eating something good and you did invite me, I may get a second sermon at the end. the end.
Here's a secret to why people are so often disappointed when they come home to their home church. And I'm saying this partially for our benefit, but there's people online watching, and there are people, people that will be listening on the radio next week. One of the reasons why we find ourselves disappointed and we even look at our church as mundane, it's so common now that it's not special anymore. It's because we so often have a consumer mentality towards our faith. We want our church to provide a spiritual experience for us, but we don't want to be part of the process because we have convinced ourselves that God can move, but not in me. I hope you heard that. We want to be provided a spiritual experience, but we don't want to be the one that God may use to open that up. We want the truth when the truth is that there's a key that unlocks the kind of move of the Spirit that honestly our area has not seen in many, many years. And the key to unlocking that move of the Spirit is not the pastors in the pulpits. It's not. It's you. It's the people in the churches that will unlock that move of the Spirit. I can do nothing. Nothing. I cannot make you open to the Spirit. I cannot make you respond to the Spirit. I am not going to pressure you to do something to make myself happy. Would I love to see an outpouring of the Spirit in this area? You better believe it. Can I do anything to manufacture it? No, because if I do, it's fake. You cannot plan a move of the Spirit. You just simply have to be open to it. Here's a couple things to think about. Stop listening to the worship on Sunday morning and start worshiping. Stop looking at your watch 20 minutes into the service and start, God giving, start giving God permission to take all the time he wants. Stop showing up late and leaving early and start coming early and staying late so you can connect with the people of God. And stop giving yourself permission to fail because your life is so hard. I can't be that kind of Christian because my life is so hard. You don't understand my life is hard. I don't, kind of, I don't have the kind of job that that person has, so I'm not, I'm not as much of a Christian as that person has because I can't give as much. I don't care. Sometimes I have to work on Sunday. I don't care. I had to work on Sunday for decades. Well, I just don't pray as well as that person. So, I, 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 you know, my life, is, my life is so hard. I have, a, I, have a, I have a rough marriage. You know what can help that? Jesus. Well, you know, I'm kind of an alcoholic. You know what can help that? Jesus. Well, I kind of have a potty mouth. You know what can help that? Jesus. Well, I kind of have a problem with, you know, the internet. <laughs> you know what can help that? Jesus. You know what can't help that? Giving yourself permission to fail. Because you don't want to go through the motions of seeking God. Scripture tells us that in the end times, which is what we're in, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. All flesh. The only difference between those who are experiencing a powerful move of God and those who are not is the ones who are experiencing it are willing to experience it.
And the ones who are not are closed to it. There's nothing special about that college. There's nothing special about this location here. We're in Copenhagen, New York. Do you guys know that the site that this church is built on is actually labeled as one of the spooky spots in upstate New York? Because of the old house. Remember the old house that was here? It's like, it's like on the list of like supposedly haunted houses in upstate New York. I have the picture. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like our church is a haunted house! Yay! I knew there was a spirit here. <laughs> You're just like a little too far. A little too far, Pastor. A little too far. <laughs> you hired me. I'm just saying. <laughs> Stop waiting for someone else to hand you an experience, a spiritual experience and start seeking after God like your eternity depended on it. The next time there's an opportunity to come forward, which one of you will be the one that gives everybody else permission to stop making excuses and seek God for what they need at the moment? Because it won't be me. Everyone expects it of me. You'd be surprised how limiting being a pastor is. But how freeing you are to other people. But that's if you have enough faith to believe that God can use you.